Thank you much for the truth of your word that enables us to plant ourselves in Christ. We are told that we are to do that, and I pray that you will help us do that this morning. I pray that the things that we see in your word will come alive by your spirit, that we may know and understand them. I pray that the words that I speak would be yours and that our hearts would be changed as we seek to ground ourselves in the truth that we might go out into this community, even as Mike challenged us, that we might be a lighthouse, that we might show your truth to those that are around us, that they may see your love and understand the grace of Jesus Christ. So guide us now over these next few minutes, Lord, and change our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, folks. You can have a seat. You know that we're in the middle of our rooted campaign, and so I've been brushing up on my uh, horticulture, as I told you last week. It's kind of a hobby for me. It's just something that I like to do a lot, play around with plants and dirt. And Ben often asks my advice, and Jackie does, on what should be planted where. And, you know, so I, I try to oblige when I can. <laughs> They're happy to have my help. Uh, I do know this, most root systems for most trees really in the world are about two times larger by volume than the crown of the tree. In other words, what's below the ground is usually twice as big as what's above the ground. And I found out this week that the deepest root systems in the world belong to something called the shepherd's tree. Now, the shepherd's tree grows in the Kalahari Desert. So as you might imagine, there's not a lot of resources available close to the surface of the ground. And so this tree grows up to 230 feet deep into the ground to get the nutrients that it needs. Now, we don't have shepherd's trees around here in uh, Maine, but we do have hickory trees. And I found this out about hickory trees that for the first five years, their root system grows two to three times faster than the crown. So after five years, if you were to see a hickory tree that had a crown of branches, say, this big, its roots are already this big. And scientists know that the hickory tree doesn't really expand up into the air until that root system is thoroughly established. What that means is, and this is what I want you to grasp because it's what we're going to talk about this morning. What that means is, until the roots grow deep, the branches don't bear fruit. Now, we've already spent a couple of weeks talking about what it means to be rooted. What does God want from us? A couple of weeks ago, we realized he wants us to pursue righteousness. And what does it even mean to be rooted? We learned last week, remember, that it, it's a progression of our faith, that we can't stay the same. Remember, we saw Jamie's testimony of how he gave his heart to Christ when he was 11, but there was so much more that needed to happen in his life as he dove down into God's Word. It's really easy for us to have these discussions about spiritual things. It's easy for us to come here on Sunday morning, and I'm so glad that you're here, and thank you for those of you that are joining us on the live stream, wherever you are and you can't be with us. We're glad that you're a part of this. It's very easy for us to do this, to have these conversations, for Tim and I to come up here and to teach, and for you to listen, hopefully. I know one person was listening last week. Did you know this? I had a conversation. Evan was listening 
last week. Because every time I asked a question, he answered it back there. Maybe you heard him. We teach, you listen, and we can even agree on these things. We can even say, yeah, Mike, I get it. I believe what you're saying is true. Absolutely, there's no question. But even though I'm teaching and you're listening and we're agreeing, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything in our life is changing, does it? It's really easy to give assent without doing anything differently. So it's great to talk about having deep roots. It's great to talk about getting rooted. But what are these deep roots and what should we be seeing in our lives? And so this morning, if you want a big idea, if you want to think about this is the main thought that we're going to grasp today, it's this, that deep roots will be evident by the way that we live. See, the rooted progression that we talked about last week is going to yield deep roots, and the results of these deep roots will be seen in our lives. Just like you go out into the woods, if we were to take a walk uh, over back here behind the farm, we would see all kinds of trees. We can see what's above ground, but we can't see what's below ground. We just assume that since there's something healthy above, there must be something healthy below. And that's the same with our lives. If there's something healthy above, that means there's something healthy below, internally. If there is not something healthy that's visible, what does that tell us? That tells us that what's not visible is not healthy. And so just like the hickory tree, the roots have to grow down deep first before that can be seen. So we're going to read a few verses in Ephesians. If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Or if you have your phone, open your version to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read a few verses there, a few verses in chapter 4, and we'll make some observations as we go, okay? So Ephesians chapter 3, let's start in verse 14. Here is what Paul says. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So if you are taking notes or if you're tracking with me here this morning, here's deep root number one. Deep root number one is inner strength from the Spirit. Now let's break down this verse a little bit. He says, for this reason. Now we're jumping in almost literally to the exact center of the book of Ephesians. We're halfway through chapter 3. So for two and a half chapters, Paul has been talking about our need. He's been talking about the fact that we are sinners and that God, by His grace, through Jesus Christ, provides forgiveness and salvation for us. So here, too, Paul is addressing the rooted progression. He's saying, you're a sinner. Christ saved you by His grace, and now this needs to happen. What happens next with God's work in us? I want you to notice from the verse there that He gives us inner strength through the Spirit. Notice that it says that He may grant you. You know what a grant is, right? A grant is a gift. A grant is something someone gives to you. You don't earn it. They give it to you. He grants us this inner strength. Now, the word power in verse 14 there, or sorry, in verse 16, the word power is the word dunamis. Now, the reason why it's important that you understand that is because it is literally supernatural power. 
Only God has this kind of power. Now you may, I don't know if you're a fan of this or not. We used to watch these all the time. Anybody ever watch the strongman competition? You know? No. Okay. A few people. Me and Jay. Uh, strongman competition. What I was really thought was cool early in our marriage, as I got to know Melody even more, is that she loves the strongman competition. <laughs> she does. She loves watching them. Unlike MMA, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, but she loves the strongman stuff. You know, that's where they, you know, pick up like a truck tire and throw it over their heads up over a wall, or they pull a bus, or something like that. That's power. Man, you see these guys, they've got arms like this and legs like tree trunks. This is not that kind of power. This word that Paul uses is literally supernatural power. Only God has this kind of power, and only God gives this kind of power, and it's only available through the Holy Spirit. Now, why does this matter? Why is this an important deep root to have as a Christ follower? It is for this reason, because we will never be able to live a godly life without inner supernatural strength that only God gives. I bet most of you, at some point in your life, maybe this week, maybe this morning, as you were dealing with your kids, thought, I can't do this. I can't respond the way that I need to to this situation. I'm frustrated or I'm tired. I can't do this. Well, this deep root of inner strength that is only given to us by God through the Holy Spirit is the only way we can live a godly life. We don't possess the power. How many times have you dealt with a situation in your life? Maybe it is a habitual sin that you deal with, or maybe it's just a relationship that is, that is off the rails and you're trying desperately to get it back on. And you're frustrated, I, I just can't figure this out, I can't do this. Let me challenge you this morning that that might be because you are trying to do it in your own power, in your own strength. This strength by which we live a godly life is only given by God. I was reading about this a little bit this week in a book, and a guy named Brian Chappelle said it this way, to possess such power is to acquire the hope that sin will no longer hold sway in our life. It is the knowledge that the grip of sin is broken and real change is possible. Now, as we look at each one of these roots, remember we said that the deep root goes down in and then we're going to see something different in our lives. So for each of these, I'm going to make a little statement to help you to determine whether or not you have this root developed in your life. And it's this. If you are constantly overcome with the same sin then it's possible that your inner strength through the spirit root is not deep enough. It's possible that you're trying to do that in your own strength, and that will never work. You and I will never develop enough willpower naturally to change our lives. It just won't happen. It can only be through the power of God. Let's keep going. Verse 17 of chapter 3. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height 
and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, deep root number one is inner strength from the Spirit. Deep root number two is confidence in Christ's love. Okay, confidence in Christ's love. He says rooted and grounded in love. Here's our word again. Okay, this is scriptural. This whole thing we're talking about comes directly from God's word. And what I want you to see, rooted and grounded, we have the plant world and the construction world again. Rooted means fixed, planted, established, like a healthy plant or tree. We looked at that last week. And grounded means attached to a foundation. Now, last night, we were, some of us were kind of hanging out, and I don't know, who found that app? Ben, did you find it, that app that we were looking at? Jamie found it. Well, Jamie wasn't there last night, but we found that somebody told us about the app that you found, Jamie, and we, uh, the ladies were all on one side of the room talking, the guys were all on the other side of the room talking, and all the guys got their phones out. We all downloaded this app. It's called Hunt Stand. Check it out. You're welcome for the free promo. And it was so awesome. We were looking, and we were all looking at our houses, and we were seeing all the property lines and the boundary lines and everything. So I found, we found the farm and all these places, and I zoomed in. I found my house, and you could, li- you could see my house, and you could, I could see Gavin's car in the driveway. It was weird, okay, wild. And I was looking at it, and I saw I have two buildings on my house lot, two buildings on my property. One is my house. And 14, 15 years ago when we built our house, the guy came with the excavator and he dug down eight feet. They put in a concrete footer. They stood the forums, eight-foot concrete walls, and then we put our house on top of it. And we love that house. It's a wonderful house. It, It hasn't moved. It hasn't changed. It's warm. It's comfortable. It's fantastic. The other building on my property is a shed that I built two two years or so after we moved in. And I didn't prepare as much for the shed. In fact, I took six concrete blocks and I threw them down on the ground and put a little dirt under the ones that were too low and just built my shed right on top of it, sitting on top of the ground on those blocks. And guess what? Twelve years later, I can hardly open the doors because one side is down in. I can see those blocks are half covered with grass and sod and they're moving all over the place. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Rooted and grounded, attached to a foundation of love. Now, why is the foundation of Christ's love such an important part of our Christian life? It is for this reason. That if you are convinced that Christ's love for you will never change you can have the confidence to do what he's asking you to do. Numerous studies have been done by all the top child psychologists in the country about children and their confidence, and it is widely accepted in the child psychology community that the most confident children are those who have loving parents at home who are encouraging them. 
They are convinced, they are absolutely sure that their parents love them no matter what. And because of that, they're confident to do what they need to do, to move out into life. Of course, we have seen in our society the opposite is true as well. When children are not confident of their parents' love, when they grow up in a home where they are not cared for and protected and loved, we see that the opposite is true in their behavior. Now, you probably know this, but I want to remind you and I want you to be thinking about it, that Jesus Christ left his place of eternal glory at the side of the Father, and he came to this earth, and he came in the most humble way possible, the most helpless, vulnerable way possible, as a tiny baby. And he lived here for 33 years. And he was mistreated, he was falsely accused, he was abused, and ultimately suffered a torturous death so that you did not have to. Now, let me ask you this question. Does Jesus love you? Yes, he does. How do we know that? Because of what he did for us. Because of the sacrifices that he made. And you and I need to settle in our minds that Jesus loves us. Now you may be sitting here or you may struggle with this occasionally in your life and you may say, but I don't deserve it. True story. You don't. Nor do I. But he does love us nonetheless. In fact, God's love for us is so unbelievable that I hope you noticed when I was reading those verses that God even has to give us the ability to understand it. I mean, it's so incredible what Christ has done for us that if God doesn't come to work in your life and show you how to understand it, you can't understand it. I've had conversations with people before who have struggled all their lives with poor choices and with sin, and I've shared the truth of God's grace with them, and they've said that it, it, no, it's not possible. It's not possible that God loves me like that. We can't even understand it unless God gives us the ability. Notice what he says there, that he would give us the strength to comprehend. The strength to comprehend. With all the saints, now that's an interesting phrase, with all the saints, I want you to understand that there is a communal aspect of this. Now we've really been talking over the last three weeks, two and a half, in these messages we've been talking about what needs to happen in your heart, right? As an individual, this needs to happen in your heart. You need to do it. You need to be a part of it. You need to let God be at work in your heart. But there's also a communal aspect here so that we would have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. What does that mean? It means we have to help each other as we try to understand this. We need to have conversations about this. When one of my brothers comes to me and indicates that they are struggling with things in their lives, one of the things I have to do is remind them of Christ's love for them. 
and you need to do the same. And I need people to do that for me as well. To know the love of Christ, Paul goes on to say, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now, is anybody else paying close enough attention to have a question about this phrase? Can I read it for you again? Because I can tell that most of you are not. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a second chance, okay? Listen to what he says. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Okay, Penny's still not dropping. Let me say it this way. To know what is unknowable. Anybody? Getting it now. To know what is unknowable. Great! Another problem. To know what is unknowable. What is Paul saying? We can know it, but we can't know it. Well, fortunately, there is a way to understand this phrase. It is by understanding that the two words in this verse are actually not the same word. They look the same to us in English, but they're not the same word. What is Paul saying? He is saying this, that God gives us the strength to comprehend with all of the saints, with all of us together, and to personally experience the love of Christ even though we can't fully comprehend it. Does that make things a little clearer? Is the fog starting to lift? Okay. To personally experience the love of Christ, even though we can't fully understand it, we can be confident that His love is real. We can experience it in our lives, even though the dimensions of His love are unfathomable. What does Paul say there? It's a very commonly quoted phrase that we may know. The, the, what does he say? The height and the depth and the breadth and the length. Those are dimensions, Right? We can experience his love and know that it is real, even though the dimensions of it are unfathomable. Let me give you an example of what I think Paul means. We could take that walk out into the woods, and we could find an oak tree. Not now, because the leaves are all falling off. But if we go out this spring, after everything comes back to life, after a long winter, And we could find a massive oak tree, 50, 60 feet tall, with branches spread out 30, 40 feet. And we can look at that oak tree and stand underneath of it. There's no way that we could count all the leaves, could we? Right? I mean, the thousands, tens of thousands of leaves on this oak tree, we can never count them all. And in fact, we can't even see them all. I mean, we can look up, we can see a few on the bottom, maybe a few on the front. But we can't see them, we can't count them. But if we were to reach up to the lowest branch and pluck one oak leaf off and bring it down and look at it, there's a lot that we could learn, couldn't we, about the oak leaf. We don't know how many there are. We can't see them all. If somebody said there's 50,000 leaves, we would have to say, well, I'll take your word for it because I can't tell. I can't tell how massive The number of oak leaves are. But I can see this oak leaf, and I'm experiencing it through my eyes and through my ears. This is what an oak leaf is. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. 
And the same is true, friends, of Christ's love. I can't tell you how massive it is, how long, how wide, how deep, how high, but I can experience it in my life. And I can trust that Christ loves me. The question of his love was settled for you and I once and for all at the cross. Here's the question, or here's the statement about that deep root. If you lack spiritual confidence, it is possible that your Christ loves you root isn't deep enough. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Let's keep going. Until we all, of course, we're jumping into the conversation again. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So here's deep root number three, knowledge of God's character. Now, in some ways, this is like confidence in Christ's love. Can we ever fully know God's character? Well, of course not. But we can know him to the extent that he reveals himself, and that brings maturity, literally full strength. I want you to see a couple of things here in those verses I just read. He says, until we all attain the unity of the faith. I want you to see the communal aspect again. We need to do this together. Unity and maturity go together. This command to grow up and to be mature and have a full grasp of the character of God is not just for the elders of our church. It's not just for a few select people. It's for all of us. We all need it. Why? Well, he says in the verse, we all need it so that every little thing doesn't cause you to drift away. You know what that's like, right? When you're living life, when you're, when you're doing your job, or you're you're living your life with your spouse and your children or your friends or your co-workers and something happens, something bad happens, something unsettling happens, what do you do? You're like, whoa, what's this? This is not what it was. This is not what I'm used to. Something's changing and we take a step back. Paul says what we need is a knowledge of the character of God that leads us to maturity and unity so that every little thing that happens doesn't cause us to drift away. We've talked about this a few times. Some of us have, have talked about it in, in smaller groups and in private conversations, but if we had every person over the last 17, 18, 19 years that came to Moss Brook, Glenn and I have talked about this, would have a 1,000 people. How come we don't have a 1,000 people? Well, because a lot of people have come, and then they've drifted away. Something has happened. Something has changed. Something difficult is taking place, and they've drifted away. But knowledge of God's character and his purpose, what he is doing, gives us staying power. And by the way, we're going to need that. We do need it right now. 
Remember the fire ants from a few weeks ago. I'm going to get Joe to make me a t-shirt that says, Remember the fire ants. I've had several of you mention the fire ants the last few weeks. Remember the fire ants. You put a fire ant in a bucket of water, and after a few minutes of struggling, what happens? Glub, glub, glub. I don't know if they make that noise. I don't even know how they breathe. I don't understand insects. They just are. They drown. Fire ants can't swim. So what do they do? Scientists have found in the largest rainforest in the world, in the Amazon, in the widest river in the world, they join together and they link their little ant arms and legs and they form one big floating mass and they can float for months together. But if one lets go, right to the bottom. My friends, God is doing something in this world. He's building his church. He is fulfilling his purpose. And knowing that, just knowing that, is a deep root that will keep you in place when everything changes. So here's our statement about that root. If you have a tendency to disappear every time something difficult happens, your knowledge of God root probably isn't deep enough. Verse 15 of Ephesians 4, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Deep root number four. Here's the last one. It's teamwork in the body. Now, this is a root that needs supernatural help, isn't it? <laughs> anybody, has anybody ever had to work with someone that is, was so difficult to work with? Where you're just like, oh my goodness, if I have to work with this guy, we have so many gracious people, nobody wants to raise their hands. You know what? It's possible that the other person in that equation is raising their hand too. <laughs> we need supernatural help. What does Paul say? This famous phrase, speaking the truth in love. Man, is that ever the key to teamwork? Speaking the truth in love. Speaking reality. Oh, man, I tell you, if we were going to do this, there's, a, there's an aisle kind of right down through the middle, and I'm not saying all of one side is over here and all the other side is over here, but I bet it's about the same number if we divided this thing right down the middle. Some of you are like, speaking the truth, speaking reality. You need a dose of reality. You probably get people like that in your life. And other people are like, oh, man, with love. We gotta love people. We gotta wrap our arms around them. Just let them know that they're gonna be okay. Which side do you fall on? Probably one, naturally, probably one or the other. But supernaturally, guess what? Those things come together. We speak reality into each other's lives, but we do it with love. We do it with an understanding of what God really wants for that person. Both reality and love are necessary in balance. And look what he says here in the verse. That's how we grow up. That's how we get 
more spiritually mature. But I want you to notice that spiritually growing up is a lot different than physically growing up. Because physically growing up, you know, for those of you that have kids and grandkids, you're like, man, oh man, if that kid could just learn to tie his shoes, my life would be so much easier, right? Or how about those of you ladies that have the third row seat, and you're like, man, I need that kid to learn to buckle himself. You want your kids to be, what? More independent. That's what it means to physically grow up. But guess what? It's the opposite when you spiritually grow up. See what it says? Growing up, what? Into Christ. Spiritually growing up doesn't mean you're more independent. It means you're more dependent upon Christ. More dependence on Him and less on self. Again, it says, so that the whole body, again, the communal aspect of rootedness, So there is dependence on Christ. When we grow up spiritually, there's dependence on Christ and interdependence. Interdependence. We need each other so that the whole body, he says, is joined together. Joined together. The word joined here is a great word. It's synarmologumenon. Say it together with me. Synarmologumenon. No. Don't. You don't need to know that word. It doesn't matter what that word is. I just need you to know what it means. It means to fit together and to intertwine. That's what the fire ants do. They weave their little ant legs together and they intertwine. And all of the individual parts come together to form a whole. And notice what Paul says. They contribute to the process and to the progress of the whole. You see, deep root number four, teamwork in the body, that's a communal root. It's all of us together. Do you know what the largest living organism in the world is? I was hoping somebody would say the blue whale. It's not the blue whale. That's wrong. That's the largest living mammal the largest living organism in the world is called Pando. This is all true. I'm not making this up. Pando is a forest of aspen trees in Utah. 47,000 aspen trees. Scientists began to notice as they looked at this forest, 107 acres, 47,000 trees, that every single tree was identical. What is happening? This is not the way trees grow. They have buds and seeds and insects and wind pollinates and they're all slightly different, just like our kids. But these were all identical. And scientists began to study, and do you know what they found? They found that because of the arid climate, there was not enough resources to pollinate the normal way. And so the quaking aspen began to send shoots up from its root system. And they look like seedlings, but they're really shoots from the root system. And they grow up into another tree, and it looks identical to the first tree because they are one. And they found that under the ground on 107 acres, these are not 47,000 different trees with 47,000 root systems. It's one tree with one massive root system. 
and it all works together. That's how the church advances and grows. Teamwork in the body, when we all work together. If the church is not growing, here's our statement about this root, if the church is not growing, then our communal teamwork in the body root is not deep enough. If we stop growing, there's a problem with this root. Because when it's deep, the body flourishes. Well, we're done. My question for you as we close this morning is, do you have deep roots in Christ? If you do, now be careful to just say yes. Yes, I do. Be careful and understand this. If you have deep roots in Christ, there will be evidence in your life. If the crown of the tree of your life is not expanding, then regardless of what you say, the roots aren't deep enough. One of the evidences of that rootedness is generosity. And I want to give you an action step for this week as we close our service this morning, and it is this. To survey the needs of our church and ask God where you can contribute. Now, you might contribute financially, like Mike was talking about earlier. You might contribute with your time and your energy. But ask yourself, where is generosity being displayed in my life? Can we see it? Can other people see it in me? How are you serving God and other Christ followers? Because that's our mission. God is sending us out into the world to show his love. And that's what we want to be doing together here as a church. I hope you understand this morning as we close that rootedness is individual, but it's communal. We need to work together to be the church that God wants us to be. Why don't you stand with us this morning, and we're going to close with a song. Thank you for being here, folks. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the love of Jesus Christ, for the inner strength you give us through your Spirit, for the knowledge that we can have of your character that you have revealed to us, and for the unity that we have in the body when we grow up together and we encourage each other. May that happen here at Mossbrook Church. May we see your working as we grow up into what you have intended always for us to be. Go with us now this week out into this community. Give us strength and guide us and give us opportunities to show your love and grace. In Christ's name, amen. Remember our prayer time at 1120 right here. Have a great week.